Welcome in, everybody. Welcome in. Welcome in. Woo! Excited as always. Week 14 edition of the Total Coverage Podcast, which is now part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. Man, I'm so excited uh, about this partnership as well. But it's week 14. It's my preview uh, or looking back at what transpired week 14, a couple of plays, actually a couple of players for sure uh, that we're going to talk about, had some great weeks. And we get down to uh, the last three weeks of the NFL, right? Weeks 15, 16, 17. I can't believe, I always say it, but with each passing week, you get so excited because it's it's bittersweet because it's coming to an end, but man, the games just get so much more important. And I love talking about them here on the Total Coverage Podcast. Remember, you can find the podcast, Total Coverage, on the Sirius XM app, the new Sirius XM app. Make sure you get on that. And wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you just you find podcasts, type in Total Coverage. And there you'll have it. Myself, Kirk Morrison, the eight-year NFL veteran and current college football, Sirius XM NFL radio host, kind of do it all, Ben, but we just talk football. So I got an outstanding guest for you lined up, a guy who I truly, truly love to listen, talk football, whether it's NFL, whether it's college football. One of my colleagues on the ESPN college football side as well, the ESPNU radio host, Greg McElroy, former Alabama BCS champion quarterback. So we're going to get his takes on some of the quarterbacks I've seen over the last couple of weeks, but more importantly, the young guns, right? We know about the Brady's and Roethlisberger's, Breeze. I want to know about this young up and coming group that has been playing well over the last couple of weeks and may have a big part on why some teams will have some success or maybe some defeat coming down the stretch. So more on that in a second with Greg. And um, yeah, I'm going to get into just some couple of performances. This has been a big running back week for me. So we're going to get into the running backs. We're going to get into Another guy who, when you just give him the damn ball, right? He's not Keyshawn Johnson, but man, you give this guy the damn ball. I'll tell you about him uh, at the end of the pod. And a couple of news and notes items that I always just try to hit on a couple of performances that may not result in a win, but definitely uh, I think you should be keeping your eye on. So without further ado, one of the guys who I really, really value his opinion in the business when it comes to uh, football, college, NFL, is Greg McElroy, the former Alabama BCS National Championship quarterback, former Jets quarterback, and now ESPNU radio host and the host of the Inside the Pocket podcast on the SiriusXM podcast network. And, uh, and Greg, I want to start with this because there are quarterbacks right now that I'm looking at in the NFL, and each week I'm saying, okay, is this going to last? What do they need to improve on? Or what are they doing in order to succeed week in and week out? And I think I'm going to lean on, and look, I had to do it. I know you're Alabama alum, but there's a couple of Alabama quarterbacks, and I'm still claiming Jalen Hurts to be an Alabama quarterback is where he cut his teeth. But he got his first start last week, and he only went 17 of 30, 167. Uh, but to me, I thought he looked comfortable. He, he looked like he was able to handle the spotlight when you see Jalen Hurts, what do you see right now from him in the NFL? Well, it's good to be with you, man. And then first I'd say is that at this point, he's not all that dissimilar to other young quarterbacks that rely almost too much on their athleticism mm -hmm. and a little less on just trying to operate from within the pocket. Uh, good examples of which include Lamar Jackson, right. Josh Allen, 
Kyler Murray. I mean, there's a, million, <laughs> there's a million examples of guys that have thrived while using their athleticism only over the course of time to become better throwers. So I think at this point, that's where he's at. Granted, it's a really small sample size, um, but he did invigorate that run game last week. And as a result, Miles Sanders was able to break free uh, a couple times for decent runs. He even had a few carries of his own on pulled zone reads where he was able to get out on the perimeter and make some plays. And I thought he made one really good throw that was actually a touchdown. It was to Alshon Jeffrey, right. uh, all out pressure through the underthrown deep ball, understood what he had as far as his personnel was concerned on the outside. And next thing you know, it's a touchdown. So I actually thought he played very well. Uh, he didn't make catastrophic mistakes and he relied on what he's most comfortable relying on. That's his legs. And at this point, that's perfectly understandable for a young quarterback that's just getting started. You know, Greg, well, how long is that timing in the head, in, in, in the quarterback's mind? Like, how long is that timing where it's like, I want to believe in the, the progression of this play. I want to be able to go through my reads, but man, there, there's a nice little lane between my right tackle and my right guard. I should just go take and get five yards instead of staying with the actual play. Well, I think it used to be you never did that, right? Like, right. you had to stay within the pocket. Now... What's the difference between a seven-yard completion and a seven-yard quarterback run? I think we've started to realize, like, oh, those are the same. same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we look at a quarterback run differently for whatever reason it, over the course of time, but I think we've finally adjusted and kind of come around and thinking, well, you know, if these guys are athletic, let's allow them to be athletes. Like, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. Um. I mean, we see guys because it's no longer just okay to be a statuesque quarterback. I mean, you have to be able to move. You have to be able to get off the spot. And because defensive linemen are so athletic, you have to be able to operate in a less than 100% pure pocket. Uh, and that's, I think, a good thing. But rather than force it somewhere where it might be even risky or or low percentage because of tight coverage. If you're better off getting it with your legs, and so be it. Um, I think you can do that for as long as your athleticism will hold up. Then again, you better be prepared, like Kyler Murray wasn't, mm. for a three-week span, which the offense went from the best in the league statistically to like ninth because he couldn't hit the curveball that the teams were throwing at him. I'm not saying that because he's a baseball player, but I'm saying that <laughs> oh. because they stopped rushing him and they kept him contained and he didn't feel comfortable operating within the pocket. You better be able to beat the teams that you're going to be playing against by doing both. And there's going to be a pass rush or two that won't let you get outside on the perimeter. They won't be overly aggressive. They'll two gap you and they'll just push the pocket. You better be able to win that way. And until proven otherwise, um, rely heavily on your athleticism and see how far it takes you. Yeah, I totally agree, especially with that Kyler Murray. I know we're going to get into that one uh, later on in the Total Coverage podcast. I got a little take on Kyler Murray and what he needs to do. And trust me, I think people will like that one. Uh, next quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, another one of your Alabama guys, and throwing the ball 48 times last week, though, Greg, and went 316, two touchdowns, one interception. And it is, like you mentioned, throwing from the well, because I think a lot of people expected Tua to kind of run around because of, uh, I guess, his comps, right? He's Drew, uh, Drew Brees in the pocket, but then he's Russell Wilson at times. He can do 
but I'm starting to see him kind of develop this pocket mentality, but yet he's still a little bit off. And I know he, it won't happen right away, but where's areas you think that Tua can probably improve on? The biggest thing for Tua, and it's kind of always been this way, uh, don't try to do too much. That's that's the first thing. He has a tendency to try to do a little too much. And if things go a little sideways early, he constantly over the course of the next, let's say, first quarter is terrible. Well, the next three quarters, he's going to be trying to overcompensate for that first quarter. Mm. Uh, so th I think that's the biggest thing that I wanted him to work on coming into the league. Uh, but since then, I mean, it's getting the ball out on time and don't take unnecessary hits. I mean, that's another thing. He doesn't necessarily do a great job of cutting his losses. And that's something that he's going to have to continue to progress with. Uh, I didn't think he was overly accurate this past weekend. If you right. look at his off-target percentage, uh, he was somewhere in the 20s in that vicinity. And given the fact that he threw so many passes, it's right. not <laughs> out of the realm of possibility. And he was doing so against a decent defense. And with all due respect to Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are more than just an offensive juggernaut. Like they're not bad on defense. Like they've shored up a lot on that side of the ball, uh, especially with their pass rush. So I actually think that Tua is progressing decently um, at this point. I think he's been pretty decent with the football. He knows how he fits within the offense. He's not taking unnecessary risk. And I think uh, for a rookie, he's about where you'd expect a rookie to be. It's just the other rookies this year being. Joe Burrow uh, has obviously had a remarkably good statistical season prior to the knee injury. Uh -huh. Herbert has come back to earth a little bit right. after having what was a ridiculous start to his NFL career. Um, so I think the NFL and the rookies, it's all about really high highs and really low lows. You're going to have both. Where do you kind of find yourself in the middle? And, and I think Tua has actually found a pretty decent sweet spot. I mean, all things considered, I mean, the guy's, five and five and two as a starting quarterback. Uh, the loss at Denver was, was no bueno, but yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, all things considered, of course, cause he got pension in that game, all things considered, he's, he's done a decent job and has beaten some teams that are in the playoff hunt, like the Rams, uh, and the Cardinals, even though uh, some would say that the Rams game was not entirely on him. That was no. more on Jared Goff, but, uh, <laughs> I think too, has done a fine job. He's nine and one touchdown interception. And yeah, you know, that's really all you can ask for knowing how good your defense is. Yeah, just a couple more quarterbacks for you uh, here, Greg. Uh, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson put on a show for us last Monday night. And uh, I'm looking at Baker Mayfield, who's just – he looks to be a different quarterback in year three. I know it's finally slowed down for him. Just kind of go back to your career, right, and, and being in the NFL and understanding that, okay, things may slow down, but you kind of realize who you are as a quarterback. Is that what I'm kind of getting a sense from Baker Mayfield is that he realizes that it doesn't all have to be on me? Yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, I also think, and and don't take this the wrong way, I, uh -huh. I genuinely think that um, when Odell went down, they stopped trying to force feed it. So now yeah. it's not about featuring a guy. Obviously, Jarvis Landry is going to be their go-to, but they've worked the tight ends. Obviously, they're going to lean really heavily on the run game. Odell wasn't really feeling the blocking thing on the perimeter, you know? So right. I actually think him going down has made the offense more well-rounded and actually in turn more difficult to stop. Um, and I think Baker has understood, all right, man, it's time to quit doing it my way 
And the thing that's going to get me my fifth year option is doing it coach Stefanski's way. And I need to buy in. And I do think he has, he still has that flash and he still has, you know, that, that certain level of sizzle that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But that's, that's, you know, him, he's not going to change or deviate too far from who he is, but I thought he did a really good job. For instance, in the first few games of the year, he's really forcing the football. They're right. forcing it into tight coverage, forcing it when he shouldn't. Part of that was because I'm sure Odell was in his ear. Right. Now he's not doing that. He's taking Kareem Hunt on hitch routes, and he'll mm-hmm. take him seven, eight times in a row if you don't stop it. Uh, and he's been really accurate when presented with opportunities to throw off play action, and that's ultimately who the Browns are going to be. That's the best version of themselves is when they're running the football extremely well on first and second down, and they're able to take shots on first and ten when they get in the plus territory. So I'm I'm really encouraged by what I've seen from him, and and think he is certainly in the mix of, of his best season. Uh, last quarterback of week 14, I'm just uh, want to get your, your take on is Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, look, not statistically in terms of throwing only 11 of 17, 163, but it, it, it seems the one touchdown that he threw was like when his team needed him most, right? And we know what he's doing on the ground each and every week. So I think my big question is uh, for you is, what do we? What more do we want to see from Lamar Jackson? Because I feel like everybody's up and down with Lamar. It's one week, it's like he needs to do this, but then the next week, he does what his athleticism allows him to do. And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, that works again. Like I feel like each week is going to be different, no matter what. For Lamar, you just never know which one you're going to get. Yeah, that's that's definitely. I think there's some some honesty to that. I also think. Um, Lamar is probably a little bit too much of he's going to absorb a lot of criticism uh, and, mm-hmm. and partly because people you're either a Lamar guy or not a Lamar guy. Like Very in true. the draft process, you, you picked a side like right. this guy can be a legit dude. He's not a legit dude. Right. So every time he has a difficult game, I think people are going to be more critical and it's going to be more, it's going to be louder than it would be with, most other quarterbacks because most other prospects are not as polarizing as Lamar Jackson. Right. You either got it or you don't, you know, and, but Lamar, you had to have, he could do it. I think a lot of people realized that he could do it and was athletic enough to do it, but we were going to have to completely reinvent who, what that offense was going to look like and what that, what the identity of that team was going to look like. And obviously Baltimore was able to do it and they obviously have reaped the rewards of, of having an electric player on the field at all times. I actually was one that was pro Lamar coming out. I was a big believer in him and had some knockdown drag out fights. Um, <laughs> but I actually right. thought he'd th- full disclosure. I thought he'd throw it better than he currently is. Right. Um, I, I thought his arm talent was so undervalued at Louisville. And I thought he threw the ball beautifully, especially on deep balls. And we had him against North Carolina his last year. Right. And he made some of the best throws I've ever seen in my life that day. Yeah. I he remember that like game. Easy. Yeah. yeah. That, that was I mean, the one. That was at, at Carolina, right? It was at Carolina. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember, you know, coming on the air, like, this dude's the best player in college football. Um, and people need to acknowledge that. And basically, like, he made me feel good. So, like, I've never forgotten that. And I'll never, <laughs> ever, ever let it down. Like, that was my first year calling games. So, like, I was real, real proud of that prognostication. So, I've been riding that hot train ever since. I love the guy. I always have. Uh, but he's not the most naturally accurate thrower. Right. Uh, he's not. He's got a long, very whip-like release that has an unbelievable amount of velocity on it. But his arm gets so long. It gets so long that I think it's almost difficult to replicate. And he drops his elbow a lot, 
when he drops his elbow, the ball sails. And I don't know why he does that. It's just something that he needs to break the habit on. He'll do it thinking he's throwing it around a defender, but the ball will sail 35 yards over the receiver's head. And it just, it's inexcusable for a franchise quarterback. So um, there are some things fundamentally that drive me crazy, but you get the guy ball uh, in the guy's hands. And it's easy. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a problem. And when you have a defense that isn't very good at reading, like the Browns are not right now, they might have electric pass rushers like Miles Garrett. Perfect. Don't block him. Leave him unblocked and see if he can read this zone read that's going to happen in the blink of an eye. And they did that on multiple different occasions throughout the course of the game on Monday, and it led to a lot of big plays. The biggest example being the one where Lamar ran it down the left sideline off of a sweep read. Miles chases, and Miles literally chases the back and like tackles him in the backfield, six yard loss, and Lamar (laughs) is out the gate for 50. Like, I mean, it's all right. So, I, I think Lamar. He is who he is at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. You can't change your fundamentals in the season. Like you have to live with the fundamentals the way they are. But in the off season, as he continues to mature and progress and get older and more refined, he has to become a more naturally accurate thrower. He has to. And, and it's not going to happen overnight, but it's also not going to happen during the season when you don't have enough time to really focus on your fundamentals. It's an off season adjustment. And hopefully here in 2021, That'll be something he can focus on a lot to be a more well-rounded player. He's the host of the Inside the Pocket podcast, host on ESPNU Radio and ESPN College Football NFL analyst Greg McElroy. Appreciate the knowledge today, Greg. Always, brother. No, great stuff, man. Appreciate you. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. Each week, we chat with the players, coaches, and executives who have helped grow the game of basketball around the world, like Toronto Raptors championship winning coach Nick Nurse. I, I always say this. I, I, I don't know why I picked this number, Fran, but I always say the X and O stuff's about 15% of the job. It really yeah. is. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, man. Yeah. Always good catching up with Greg. One of my favorites, man. Love that dude, man. Pretty, really, really good. When you like guys who you just want to sit there and you just listen to, you learn so much, right? You never think that you know too much about football. Trust me, I'm always learning. I played the game, been around it my whole life, but I swear you learn something new every single time. But one thing I, I, I did say that I hopefully can get across to you, the listener, is that as a rookie, you're a rookie for only so long. You're a rookie kind of mentally, or people look at you as a rookie. But about halfway through the season, halfway, maybe even three quarters of the way, you're not a rookie anymore. You're not, you're just not a rookie. You are now considered a veteran. And actually, if you want to get into technical terms, to actually get a credit season in the NFL, you just have to play three games. So if you played three games and went on injured reserve, then you're considered now a second-year player coming up the following season. So it was a little joke that we saw. It's been like, man, I'm just trying to get my three games, and that means you get a accredited season. So if somebody saw your Wikipedia page, you know, like, oh, he played three seasons in the NFL, but yet two of the seasons you play four, four games in one, three games in another, but you get credit for that season. So just a little something on the inside joke that we tease about uh, for myself and guys who have played in the NFL that all you need is three games 
and you got a year. But going back to the rookies, um, it's at, at some point, rookies grow up and they grow up right, right in front of your eyes. And the opportunities that they are given, they increase throughout the season. Because sometimes we say, man, it's the, man, that, that rookie, they're just not playing, playing well. But then there's also some rookies who have fantastic starts. And it's maybe because of the systems that they're in, the quarterbacks they may have, or the run game, or if they're an offensive lineman, they're, you know, they're playing to their strengths. But when it comes to the running backs, some get it early, some get it late. But two guys in particular that to me just kind of are now the dudes, are now the guys, are two backs in which I think Look, NFL, be ready. Jonathan Taylor, running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Cam Akers, running back for the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going to start with Jonathan Taylor first. We knew him coming out of uh, Wisconsin, the kind of back that he was going to be. He's a very elusive back, a bigger back. He does have the long end speed for a guy his size, but he runs with power, runs with great balance. We saw the production at Wisconsin, and we were kind of waiting for that coming out party with the Indianapolis Colts. Now there were injuries at the running back position early on and kind of forced him to be out there and people were just waiting. Like we, we want to see the dude from Wisconsin. They weren't getting that. But I think it's always that turning point in the season. And maybe it could have been last week as the Indianapolis Colts beat down the Las Vegas Raiders 44 to 27. And a lot of that was because of Jonathan Taylor, right? The rookie running back, still had a career best 150 yards two touchdowns look they scored 44 points a lot of it was because of jonathan taylor's running that was the most points uh in the three short seasons under coach frank reich um which is <laughs> it's kind of remarkable just to think about how this offense remember minus andrew luck i know philip rivers is there now but they've been they haven't had the biggest outputs offensively and all of a sudden this rookie has an output like this. And the reason why, I, I, or I think what made him so dominant against the Las Vegas Raiders was that he was able to find the alleys. And once you find an alley, if you have the speed to get to the alley, man, it's a beautiful thing for the running back. Defenses, nah, man. Because actually, Jonathan Taylor was so good this past week, in week 14. He got the Raiders defensive coordinator fired, right? Paul Gunther was fired because of his inability and his defense to stop Jonathan Taylor. Because Jonathan and the run scheme that they had developed, because Phillip Rivers is an older quarterback, a guy who I competed against. Phillip Rivers is not gonna read option you, pull the ball and fake and run, no. He's handing it off. And so it was the manipulation of some of the run plays where you had half the offensive line going one way, the other half going the opposite way. And it really threw the Raiders defense off. They did not have anything to solve this problem. And Jonathan Taylor, he didn't, you know, he's not gonna go out there and make excuses for the, for the Raiders. He went out there and just ran the football. He ran it hard, he ran it tough, he ran decisive. And those are the things I think now, when I talk about no longer a rookie, you start to see from Jonathan Taylor. I thought it was a huge game because to me, he just, with the ball in his hands, he protected the football. He knew where the goal line was. And I think he showed some of that breakaway speed that we saw from him at Wisconsin. I can only see, I can only envision more that they're going to rely on him more down the stretch because you have to develop a running game. Now we're in December football. I've told you guys, it's not about throwing. 
man, can you run the football? Can you impose your will? And Jonathan Taylor, to me, showed that ability, but he also put, I think, the rest of the teams on the Colts' schedule on notice. That you better stop, you better stop him. Because I think the offense may start to go through him as well because it does open up the passing game. And that's why T.Y. Hilton also had a, a tremendous game because now the play action is going to be there. Play action only works if you run the ball effectively. And that's why I think Jonathan Taylor's performance last week uh, was huge for the Indianapolis Colts. Now I mentioned the other guy, Cam Akers. He also had a career best, right? Two career best games for two running backs in the same week. The Rams, they beat the New England Patriots uh, on a Thursday night game, 24-3, but it was Cam Akers, 171 yards, right? That really, I think, opened the eyes of a lot of people around the National Football League. I think we've talked about a little bit on this show, the Rams no longer have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was their bell cow. He was their back, you know, in Sean McVay's first three years as head coach. Now, obviously, injuries have occurred, and the Rams decided to move on from Todd Gurley. They decided to go with a three-headed monster at running back. Akers, Malcolm Brown, who was the guy who has just been there forever. He was actually a St. Louis Ram, and he's still been able to hang on with the Los Angeles Rams, but he's been consistent. They drafted a kid, Daryl Henderson, out of Memphis last year, third, third round, and he's another guy that they use. But it just seems that Cam Akers, the guy who they drafted, the Rams did in the second round, was going to be that feature back. But when was it going to happen? Now, he got slowed by a rib injury in week two, had to work his way back. But man, you do it on the national stage the way that he did, all right? Like the way that he did against the Patriots on a national stage, like no rookie running back this season and ran for as many yards as Cam Akers did on that Thursday night. And so to me, what did you see? You saw a dominant Rams offense because of the running game. And it's the and people are going to say, but how? How is he running so effectively? I think he matches what that offense wants to do. Ty Gurley was only a guy who can run what they call a zone scheme. Zone stretch means one foot in the ground and head north and south. Cam Akers can do it all. Cam can run the zone scheme. He can run the outside scheme. He can run the inside scheme. He can run pulls, uh, power plays, and then get him a nice little short check down. And I think that's another element of his game that he'll get better at is he's going to be his route running ability, which I think you will see more of that. But he ran hard. He ran tough. And I thought that was, you know, probably one of the things that really got a lot of people's attention because he, he's not the biggest of guys, but yet he ran with so much power. And it made everyone kind of forget about Ty Gurley. And that's why the Rams offense looked the way that it did, because they have a running game. They have a rookie who is no longer, I say, a rookie anymore, who put up numbers against a Bill Belichick defense. Let me repeat that. Bill Belichick defense. <laughs> it doesn't happen, man. That, that, it's, that's not supposed to happen, I should say. But I think when it does happen, Ain't no going back, Cam Akers. You are now the guy. You are now the dude. And when you have those types of performances, I think people are going to expect those from week in and week out. I know I'm definitely going to expect them from both of these guys. Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, two teams, Colts, Rams, who I think will win. Um, at that, or the Rams uh, got a shot to win their division. Uh, definitely right now they're in first place. Colts are in first place. But 
it's crazy to think, and I'm saying this here on the Total Coverage Podcast, week 14, if these guys continue to run the ball well and they go over 100 yards the next three weeks again, or just the kind of production that we saw from this past weekend, the Colts will win their division and the Rams win their division, led by two rookie running backs. How about that? That's how winning is done. Speaking of running backs, um, the next guy, Austin Eckler. Right. Austin Eckler. I know people are like, what? He plays for the Chargers. Still, the Los Angeles Chargers needed a spark offensively. No, they've been eliminated. I get it. They won't make the playoffs. But they've got a young quarterback in Justin Herbert right now who they believe is the future of their franchise. And he lost his main weapon, Austin Eckler, for a very long part of the season. I know this because... uh, (laughs) I. I drafted Austin Eckler. So I know, man, when you see the contribution that Austin Eckler presents week in and week out, like I knew that because of my fantasy, but I also knew it because I watched the game. The production that he puts out week in and week out is not just in the running game. It's running and passing, right? Look, the Chargers hadn't won many games, but they beat an outstanding Atlanta Falcons team. A lot better than their record. I'm not saying that they're, you know, a playoff team and like that had, you know, they got to a better start. But what I am saying is that the Atlanta Falcons are a pretty good football team. And I, the Chargers found a way to win. They got down to the end, they kick a field goal, but they win. But it's what they're able to do now having Austin Eckler back. Because as a defensive coordinator, you go in, it's like, I want to stop Keon Allen. I want to stop Mike Williams. And I want to stop the tight end, Hunter Henry, and not allow Justin Herbert out of the backfield, right? Keep him in the pocket. Remember, I think we talked about it two weeks ago on the same total coverage podcast when the Patriots went in and dominated Justin Herbert. That defensive performance is something that I highlighted. But one thing I failed to talk about or failed to say, that offense was missing Austin Eckler. And it looks different now that he's back. It looks different. It looks different because Justin Herbert's able to do what? Get the ball quickly out of his hands to want to check down. That's where Austin Eckler, I think, is at his best, really. It's not necessarily running between the tackles or running outside. It's getting him out there on the perimeter, screen game, quick game, and let him just go out there. And he's a little jitterbug. He's scooting and scatting and making you move and, and, and missing, making guys miss. That's what their offense needed. They needed a check down, needed an outlet. Look, teams are going to take away a lot of throws and they're going to fool Justin Herbert. That's just part of the rookie process that you go through. But, but when you have an outlet, when you have something that, okay, you got me there, I'll just give it to Austin. Justin Herbert missed that. All of a sudden he gets that back. Oh, Justin Herbert looks a little different now. The team looks a little different. The offense looks a little different. And that's one of the reasons why, look, I know the Chargers aren't playing for much, but man, they've got an outstanding opponent coming up against the Raiders that, I think before you're saying Raiders should run over this, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for week 15. Uh, Raiders, Chargers, because of the Austin Eckler effect and the mismatches that I think he presents to a defense. This is how I win. You know, I teased it a little bit earlier, and I said, throw me the damn ball. (laughs) All right, throw me the damn ball. Famous lines from the great Keyshawn Johnson, a colleague of mine, right? When I say throw me the damn ball, it means that just get this guy the ball. I don't care if he's covered, double covered, triple covered. And we've seen this before. He was triple covered before 
and you threw it up, and all he did was elevate in between three defenders and pull the football down. It was known as the Hell Murray. But DeAndre Hopkins, everybody, is a guy that I don't care where he's at. Just throw him the ball. I don't care. Oh, he's not open. Just throw it to him. If you threw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, if you're Kyler Murray, and you came to the sideline and said, you know what, coach? I was just, just throwing it over there because I thought he was going to make the play. I honestly can live with that. I really can. Because you have to give playmakers opportunities. Now, the Cardinals have were on a losing streak. Right? But how do you get out of a losing streak? You go on the road and you said, you know what? I got to find ways to get the ball to my guy. And that's what they did. Kyler Murray kind of hopefully got out of the slump because the Cardinals went into New York and they beat the Giants 26 to 7. But it was DeAndre Hopkins, 136 yards on the day that really opened up the offense back where sometimes I've, I've used this term before. Sometimes you just got to be stingy, right? It's okay to be stingy sometimes. You need to be stingy. It's okay. Or I shouldn't say stingy. Stubborn. That's the word I'm going It's okay to be stubborn. Because sometimes when you're stubborn, I, I use that a lot when it comes to the running game, right? Like, like sometimes I feel like teams aren't stubborn enough. Like even if you put nine men in the box, 10 men, eight men, so what? Be stubborn. Keep running the football. And so that's what I get excited about when a team gets stubborn because Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, they got stubborn. They got stubborn and said, we're going to throw the ball to DeAndre Hopkins. Now, he was targeted 11 times. He made nine of those catches, right? 136 yards. And what does that now do? It opens it up more for everyone else. Because now that I know that you're willing to go that side, people have to, you have to think about double teaming him. And if you double team DeAndre, you're still going to have one-on-one somewhere else. You're going to have a favorable run count. And guess what? You don't have the extra person that is spying or being the rat player on Kyler Murray. So Kyler now can start getting busy a little bit. He may find more running lanes. That's the dilemma that you put a defensive coordinator in. That's what makes the offense, I think, special. That's what I thought we saw earlier in the season, and then teams took that away. And once teams took that away, we saw Kyler Murray not make the adjustments. Cliff Kingsbury not make the adjustments. I think the Giants are a good football team. And look, they're right there, second place in their division. They're a lot better than where they started at. But it does, again, it comes down to still being stubborn and getting your best playmaker the football. Even if he's double team, no matter what, just get it to him. Feed him. Get him going early. And even when you do that, if it's not successful, it's okay. Your bread is buttered by DeAndre Hopkins. That is why you went out and traded for him. That's why you're making him one of the highest paid receivers. Don't say that, oh, the numbers weren't there, so we didn't do it. No, the numbers are there. Just go do it. And that's the reason why the Arizona Cardinals, that's why they got back on track. Because they got stubborn. It's okay to be stubborn. <laughs> uh, very quickly, man, just some news and notes. I always like to just a couple of performances, a couple of things I always see, just highlight it. I'm not going to speak on it for long, but man, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and they lost to, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Lamar Jackson and those pesky Baltimore Ravens. But I mean, two guys who are nearing a thousand yards from scrimmage. These are two running backs who are nearing a thousand yards from scrimmage. 
Uh, well, actually, Kareem Hunt is already there. He's got over 700 plus yards uh, on the ground, and he's got over a couple hundred, I mean, two or 300 yards through the air. So he's there. And then Nick Chubb, who remember, remember missed time due to injury, um, he will be close to getting uh, over a thousand yards from scrimmage. So I want to just highlight two guys who are making it work. Earlier in the pod, we talked about these rookie running backs, right? And Austin Eckler. But Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, these two dudes are doing it, and they're both on the same team. And people wonder why Baker Mayfield is playing good. Why? Because <laughs> he's got some help around him. He's relying on his guys. He's giving the ball to them and letting them do the work. He's getting out the way, not having to feel like he's got to do it all by himself. So I just want to give a shout out to those two guys playing well. And then my defensive standout of the week, um, he's not getting the attention that he probably would want for Defensive Player of the Year. I think that honor will go to Aaron Donald, the most valuable player. I mean, most valuable defensive player in the league. But right after that, um, you could throw in the T.J. Watt, you could throw in the Miles Garrett. Let's not forget about Xavier Howard. All right, nine interceptions, nine interceptions. Okay, I'm gonna repeat that again. Nine interceptions on the season. So yeah, he may not be defensive player of the year but when i see good performances man kudos dude hey you balling brother i see it i notice it i'm gonna give you the shout out i give you the love here on the total coverage podcast xavier howard miami dolphins cornerback picked off patrick mahomes last week one of the more prettier interceptions we saw of the 2020 nfl season and again, man, always a pleasure. Uh, whew, shout out again to Greg McElroy, our guest today, giving us the knowledge. Make sure you go check out his podcast, the Inside the Pocket podcast on the SiriusXM podcast network. Get some more of that knowledge again, as always. Whew, you can find the Total Coverage podcast, as I said, again, on the SiriusXM map, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, you rate, let me know what you think at Kirk Morrison on Twitter, at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. I want to thank you all for listening again to the cult, to the Total Coverage Podcast, Week 14 edition. I'll see y'all Week 15. Woo, coming up right after this. Christmas, Christmas, can you believe? The Christmas edition coming up. The pod, Total Coverage Podcast, Week 15 coming up, man. I appreciate y'all guys as always. Good football, y'all. Serious XM Podcasts.